This is Danny Jolkin, and you're listening to the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome into episode 65 of the Level Flight Podcast. My name is Connor. I've got Brian here with me today. No Elliot. He's once again, you know, working. He's grinding. Um, but Brian, how, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday morning? Uh, I'm doing great. Um, you know, the Jets are back. We're going to talk more about that game. Uh, but, you know, the All-Star break is over and I'm happy to have, you know, fairly consistent hockey back on TV. I could not agree more. Hockey is a good thing, and uh, it was dearly missed over the All-Star break because, uh, I mean, we might have our takes on the All-Star break, but it's not real hockey, right? Um, So it's nice to have some games to talk about. And as you can see behind me, if if you're on YouTube, I changed my green screen today to Princess Auto Stadium because there was some big Winnipeg Blue Bombers news that came out over the, uh, I guess, yesterday, not even over the past couple of days, just yesterday. Um, It was all packed into one day. But we are going to talk about that later on in the episode so stick around but brian the jets are back but back in a losing way three nothing to the pittsburgh penguins thought they played fine at five on five obviously brendan Dillon had a a five minute match penalty that we'll get into after our thoughts on the overall game but they get shut out again they're not scoring many goals um what do you think went wrong here in their Jets' first game back from from All Star break, where they got shut out by Tristan Jari, I think it was twenty four save shutout. Not many high danger chances. Like didn't really threaten much. What what did you see? I mean, the biggest thing for me, and this has been an issue since the jump this season, is special teams let them down when they needed it most. Where either one, yeah. if, even if you limit them to one goal on that, you know that major penalty, I think you you have a shot. But the second you go down three zip you know, in the second there, like you're, you're clawing at that point, but Pittsburgh has the 31st ranked power play. And so like there, it says a lot, they're worse than the jets on the power play. Uh, and they still allowed two on that, that extended, you know, look there, but then the jets had, you know, some opportunities of their own and they just, they can't do anything. Like there's, I, I don't know. At what point do we start, you know, really starting to question Brad Lauer because he's in charge of the power play? We haven't seen a tactics change aside from just let's put the puck a little bit more at the net. Yeah, clearly it's not working. Like it looked like there was a point there where there was a bit of a turn and you were seeing the chances and you're like, oh, maybe they'll start going in. They never did. And now the chances are are gone. Like I, I was gonna just further your point there. The the whole shot first thing that I really liked when they first kind of had that tactical change and Rick Bonus was like hammering it home every press conference, more shots, more shots. Um, that has kind of gone away. And I will say, last night, like a few things, the power play, the top line after like long, exhausting shifts drew both of the penalties. So both power plays started with the second unit. 
The second unit, I really don't like how it's uh, kind of formatted. Like Perfetti's in the bumper, which I would like to see him on the half wall. I, they have Pionk there right now for one-timers. But Perfetti, we've compared him to like Blake Wheeler in terms of passing ability. Maybe not prime Blake, Blake, Blake Wheeler, excuse me. But um, he's one of the best passers on the, or undoubtedly the best passer on the team, I'd say. And ha having him in the bumper spot just completely nullifies that. So I'd like to see that switch. Um, as for the top unit, they were set up for, I think, 13 seconds, 12 seconds out of all, out of the, the time that they had. Obviously, they were the second unit last night because they drew both penalties, but Monaghan's supposed to help in that bumper position. Um, I didn't see it. Again, they weren't set up, so kind of the jury's still out on that top unit. But yeah, the, the power play was just another issue. No, no shots, no chances. And the penalty kill, I will say, the five-minute kill, I actually didn't mind, like, actually their structure and, and how they were playing on the kill without Brendan Dillon, who's one of your best penalty killers. And then the, the, the first goal, okay. The second goal on that five-minute match penalty uh, was so fluky. Crosby goes for a one-timer. He whiffs completely. And, uh, like, typical Crosby luck, he ends up right on Gensel's <laughs> tape back door, which he puts it through the crease. And then Brian Rust uh, taps it home. That's just, I, I guess, like you could do a better job of defending the front of the net in that scenario. But I just found that goal pretty fluky. But I just the special teams think, are still going to be an issue. Like it's it's ridiculous. That, that's my whole thing, right? Where yeah. I, I, I you would be hard pressed to find an, a legitimate Stanley Cup contender who doesn't have at least one of either uh, either a good power play or a good penalty kill. The Jets have neither. Both of them yeah. are in the bottom half. Um, I know that their power play was sitting somewhere between 24th and 26th in the league. It bounces between them depending on the other teams around them. Uh, and then they're 27th in the league now on the penalty kill. Like I get that they don't take a lot of penalties, but at some point, like you have to, like if you're giving up, you know, on, you know, almost a 25% clip of, you know, opponent power plays, like you're not going to win like that. And I, and I, I know people are going to come at us and be like, oh, this is knee-jerk. They're coming back from the break. This isn't an isolated issue. This is not. No, no. And I understand that like they're going to probably look a little better against Philly, especially because Philly is fighting it hard right now. Um, but this isn't something – I don't think it's to do with, you know, they had time off. This is a tactics issue. And yeah. our our special team's tactics right now are deeply, deeply flawed. And whether that's – uh, how you're operating the power play with Lauer or how you're operating the penalty kill with Arneal, both of them seemingly seem very stuck in what they believe works. And it worked last year, but yeah. you're looking at this year, it's very clearly not. And we are now sitting in February and things haven't been adjusted enough to make a difference since October. I think it's, I think it's, I don't know if you agree, it by far the biggest storyline these last 34 games regarding this team like I would the special say, like, teams yes yeah, i, I would if, say they, so. if they go into the playoffs with the same issues like they're still bottom half they're still not generating they're still giving up a ton on the penalty kill and then boom you get edmonton round two you're absolutely screwed you're absolutely screwed against edmonton like edmonton their, their winning play, streak finally ended last night it did but still you're at like edmonton Maybe not the best five and five team in the world. When McDavid and Drysaddle are on the ice, absolutely not the best five and five team. They're they get shelled in those minutes. The second you put them on the power play, you might as well put up a goal on the board. 
especially against the Jets penalty kill at this point. Like you're absolutely screwed. I, I'd even say they're screwed against the Colorado if this keeps up. You send out McKinnon, yeah. Rantanen, McCarr, um, Nichushkin, or I guess Nichushkin's not there right now, but Lekkinen, uh it doesn't even matter. Those first three names will get it done against this penalty kill, McKinnon, McCarr, and Rantanen. Um, like it, the, I'm if, you, if you lose the special teams battle, if you lose the special teams battle two nothing every game, I don't care how good your five on five game is, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win a playoff series like that against anyone. Dallas, Colorado, any any team in the West, maybe LA because LA's got issues. Um, maybe St. Louis because they're like the worst, they're literally the eight seed. Like, okay, but they need the one seed. You don't want to play Colorado and Dallas round one, and this is going to hold them back big time. And if they don't figure it out, it might lose them a playoff series. And if you're playing Colorado and Dallas round one, you might lose round one because of your special teams. So I, th- I think this is by far the biggest storyline. Sorry, excuse me. I think this is by far the biggest storyline. Uh, to watch for these last 34 games, not even how Monaghan fits in. And we haven't even talked about that yet, but yeah, I, I, like the special teams got to turn around, man, or else they're going to lose a playoff series because of it. I don't know if you agree. Uh, I, 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 I don't think it's a reach to say that I really don't. Mm-hmm. And it's just purely because we've seen it for, you know, five months now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it I'm hasn't, sorry. it hasn't. Yeah. It hasn't turned around. Let, let, no, let's... I, there, there, there's a few <laughs> issues here. Like, and like I, oh. I, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to start the second half with us just like complaining about everything. But like, it, it the, mm. this game provided us with a bit of a a level of here are some issues that need to be adjusted. Yeah, and you know, like let let's get into some positives because. There was some positives that at least I took away from this game. Um, and the, like first game back from a break, you don't score a single goal. Um, and the game isn't really close for the second half of it. There's going to be a lot of knee-jerk reactions on Twitter, whatever, wherever you find your stuff. But the, the Jets are a good team. Like the Jets are going to make the playoffs. Um, they might be favored in the first round against a team like a Colorado or a Dallas, depending on how these last 34 games go. They're one of the best five-on-five teams in the league. Like I'm not at all comparing this to last year not at all the jets are a much better team than last year and uh so there's some positives as for the game i thought they played pretty good at five on five we could talk about sean monahan now i thought he looked great in between perfetti and ehlers there was a few shifts where perfetti ehlers were kind of doing their thing and then they would cycle it down low and monahan would just win a battle along the wall to keep the offensive like zone time going um off the rush, you could tell that they haven't played together. Like they would, yeah. Monahan would pass it and Ehlers would be cutting the other way or Perfetti would feather it through to Monahan, but he would be cutting to the, the far post, not the front post. Like it, you could tell that like chemistry will, will help that line. Um, but I thought he fit in great. I think it'll be. And then uh, as a result of him being on that second line, pushes Vlad Nemeskov down to the fourth line, which I thought, I mean, it's a little like interesting it's it's weird to say this because they play like the least amount of minutes. They play the easiest competition theoretically, but I thought the fourth line was the Jets' best line against Pittsburgh. They um, they had some uh, a little bit of gusto in their play. So, like I mean, it's you you see did. what happens though when you construct a solid lineup from line to line to line to line, and this is where I think a lot of people disagreed with 
the fact without reason of I because I, I was always saying that we needed a second line center, not just because there was someone who in that role wasn't fitting in, but for the overall lineup, because either one, someone's going to get hurt, then you're running Adam Lowry at center again. Uh, I feel a lot better with uh, Sean Monaghan trying to carry some offense rather than Adam Lowry and Vlad Nemestikov. Yeah. But now you have Shifley, Monaghan, Lowry, Nemestikov as your center group, which is solid. That's right. Yeah. Really, it's, I mean, it's not like the, the best you're ever going to see, but I'm not, I'm not concerned about them being the best because as a unit, I like the cohesiveness of it. Like, obviously there are some things that would change line wise, uh, especially in the, the top six, but down the middle, it's what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, let you bring up a good point there. And I think we both agree on that. So let's get into that. Um, <clears throat> a lot of the outrage on Twitter last night was, and rightfully so, like I agree with it, was Nikolai Ehlers related as it, as it usually is, um, because I think he played 15 minutes and people keep going back. And again, I 100% agree with them. People keep going back to the stretch where Kyle Connor was injured and the Jets had Ehlers, Shifley, and Velarde as their top line. Easily one of the best lines in the NHL in that time, like point blank period, end of sentence. One of the best lines in the NHL. They outscored their opponents 15 to four, I believe was, is the official number. Nikolai Ehlers had like 18 points in that time, which was tied for second in the entire NHL. Um, um Let and, me, let me read you out the names who yes, he was go. in and around because I have it open on my computer right now. So um in the span between the end of November um, and, you know, you're looking, you know, when uh, Connor came back and they put him back, back up in the top line and moved Ehlers. Yeah. Ehlers is either tied or just behind Pedersen, McKinnon, Horvat, McDavid, Barzell, Kucherov. That's it. That's the is only that, players is, in terms of five like, on five points that he's behind. And yeah, there's I, people still justifying that you know he's not a like a superstar on this team. He, I would argue, is the most impactful forward on this entire team because there is a decent enough sample size. Whenever he gets that bump, whether it was under Maurice or under Bonus, when he gets the bump, he performs. And regardless of what happens, it doesn't matter how he performs. They, for whatever reason, he is the one who always gets demoted. And not only is he being demoted to the quote unquote second line, that second line does not get second line minutes. They are a borderline second line, third line minute, you know, group there. You can't play a guy who performs an insanely high level uh, for literally for quite literally. There's no reason. There was no reason for you to move him off that line. Uh, Kyle Connor missed like four and a half, five weeks and immediately you shove him back on the top line. Like at the very least, you could run that second line with him just to make sure he's up to speed and then move him back up. But essentially saying, oh, by the way, this guy's back. Uh, get out of here to Ehlers. Um, yeah, that's it. it it's it's fr it's frustrating because since that point, obviously, there was the Shifley injury. There was the Velarde injury. They've only scored nine goals in their past six games after flying high with that that group. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. I think another thing, I, I agree with all the points you you just said. And I think another thing that kind of goes into that is the fact that Kyle Connor hasn't been great since returning from injury. And I said to you before we were recording, I said it last night, it's unfair to him because he was having, what, the best season of his career before he got hurt? 
Like he was on pace for 50 goals. He was leading the NHL in goals at a time. Like he was having an incredible season. And then he takes a knee on knee hit, which was unsuspended, but that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, and he comes back and looks rusty. He's got one empty net goal since coming back, I think. And the top line's just not working again. It's one game out of the all-star break, but they've now lost four straight. Kyle Karn has been there for all of them. Um, and he's just not really getting it done right now. And again, not fair to him because he was having a great year and it's clearly taking him a while to get back up to that speed. But the Jets are going to need their top line. If they're going to run Connor Shifley Velarde, they're going to need that line to, to wake up a little bit. Like they've all missed time, but they've got to get it going because there was a time last night they yeah. had like a 30% expected goals in the like middle of the third period. And I know Shifley scored, it got called back, but you need more out of your top line. You just you just do against good teams. You need more, and that well, Eulers Velarde combination was giving them that and more. Like they were one yeah. of the best lines in the league. Not only like Jets related, like uh, it, it. I think there's pressure on that as well. Like I think if if the Jets lose to Philly and and don't score many goals, and then they come back home for that one game, I think like Rick Bonus is going to be asked about it because that like it's it's starting to get like okay, this top line here we go. Like you've wanted to put it together, but it's it's not working, clearly. I don't know what the issue is, but yeah. Well, and I think, too, that uh, with the way Connor plays, it's very flashy. He scores all these mm -hmm. goals, um, and everyone knows he gives a ton back on the other on the other side of things. Him and Shifley are consistently outscored. They have been a almost a break-even line despite scoring at a very high rate, which is never a good thing. Ehlers mm -hmm. and Shifley, however... They, they have a really good, you know, chemistry together and they don't give as much back defensively. Um, and I'm going to, I've got something else up here, uh, which shout out to uh, Brian Johnston, uh, who I know listens, you know, every once in a while. So uh, he, uh, he's been, you know, posting a bunch of stuff about the, the Ehlers and, you know, Connor discourse. And did you know at five on five and points per 60, because with the ice time, you have to normalize it mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, at points per 60. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, you know, worst season out of his uh, past five is still better than any of Kyle Connors at points per 60. Like it's like he scores at, like regardless of where you put him, he scores at ridiculous rates and I'm sick and tired of people being like, well, then you have, you know, a more spread out scoring thing, or you could uh, actually revive that top line. That was better than anyone else in the league for a bit there. If you spread out your scoring too thin, this is what happens. You don't score at all. Like, like sometimes you need a juggernaut of a top line to just score three goals and, and put you in a game. And that's what, remember the LA game, one of the most impressive wins of the year for the Jets on the road, second night of a back-to-back. Who was at the center of it? Ehlers, Shafley, Velarde. Velarde had four points. Ehlers had two goals. Like the, that line has the ability to beat playoff teams on the road with their play. Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous that they haven't really gone back to it. And it was the quickness of going away from it that shocked me the most. Um, and I think a lot of people were like, okay, well, they went away from it, but let's see. Maybe Connor Shifley Vlardy is going to do just as good because the Jets have clearly been waiting to put that line together. But they they aren't. They simply just aren't. That trio works better with Nikolai Ehlers on the left wing. All the stats back it up and uh, – the eye test does too, because what we're watching right now is no pucks going in the net. So um, I think there's going to be some pressure to, to, 
go back to that combination. And let's let's be honest. Ehlers moves up. Perfetti, Monahan, Connor can work as well. Like, like we, Perfetti's going to have to take on a lot of responsibility defensively on that line. Um, but maybe Monahan, especially once he gets worked into the system, yeah. um, at the very least, just improves to what he was, and then hopefully at that point can carry Kyle Connor's inability to play defense. Um, and and you've said it many times that you think there's a natural fit there between Perfetti and Connor. I mean, I really do. Sense. Like one of the best passers, a, one a of the best sniper, shooters. and an incredible yeah. setup guy. That like that is a perfect fit, and you don't yeah. have a natural setup guy on that top line. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 something to keep an eye on as well. I think that we're we're rolling through storylines here. I think that's another one is can the Jets find the right line combinations heading into the playoffs? Like maybe Connor Sheffley Vlardy will work together and they just need Cal Connor clicking at a hundred percent. And then that line is going to be unleashed. Uh, and that's the line they roll with into the playoffs. But if, if they play this way and that's the line they roll with into the playoffs, they'll get shelled by the likes of McKinnon, Rantanen and whoever's on their left wing, Lekkanen. like it doesn't matter. Right. Um, so it's definitely something to watch for special teams, the the top six configuration. Um, but again, I like the bottom six last night. I thought the third line actually played well, and I thought the fourth line was their best line. So uh, it's definitely the line. The lines are something we're going to keep an eye on for sure. We've we've always kept an eye on them here uh, on the Level Flight podcast. So we will we will keep an eye on those. But let's take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Brendan Dillon's hits, um, whether or not we think he's going to receive a game or two or I don't know what your take is but receive a couple games or or not for his hit to Nolachari last night the match penalty um and then we're going to talk about some wider NHL topics the the expansion or relocation of the Coyotes that's being floated out there so stick around after a word from DraftKings looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58 DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. And welcome back in to episode 65 of the Level Flight podcast. I said before the break that we will see if Brendan Dillon is getting suspended. And while I said that, um, the NHL player safety tweeted out, that he is going to have a hearing today, a phone hearing for his hit on Nolachari. Look, I I don't think they do phone hearings just to tell the guy, hey, don't do that again. Um, I think there's going to be a suspension here. Um, but I, let's get into the hit. So it looks awful, the hit. He, he hits Achari right in the head. There's zero body contact. It, it's 100% head on the hit. And Achari's helmet goes flying into the middle of the ice. Like the optics of the hit are terrible. 
Achari can't get up. He's like wobbly. His face is bloody. Like it's a it's a straight headshot. Um, yep. And uh, and uh, a, a lot of people arguing on Twitter, whatever. People have their thoughts that oh, it shouldn't be a match penalty. It shouldn't be a suspension. Whatever. Um, we're not here to debate like the the NHL's rules on hitting. But I this is what I'll say. He his elbow is tucked. He doesn't jump. And Achari's leaning forward. Those are things that you have to take into account. Um, if Achari was straight up and Dylan jumps, I think that might be like a five or six game, given the optics of it and what it looked like. But you do have to take into account the fact that Dylan, no suspension, or he, he did, does have a suspension history, but not for hitting. He got suspended once for slashing in 2017. Um, it was a one-game suspension. So not a dirty player by any means. Um Again, Achari's a smaller player. He's leaning forward. Dylan catches him high. That's inexcusable. And I, I I, see it as a one to two game suspension. I don't know if you agree. I'm thinking two or three purely because of, as you said, the uh, the optics of it. Like, obviously, he didn't jump. But I do still think I see a driving of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that Achari's leaning. But ultimately... Uh, the onus is on the player doing the hitting to make sure you're yes. not nailing a dude in the chin with your shoulder, uh, which honestly, if, if Dylan keeps his shoulders level and doesn't bring his one shoulder up, it's probably directly to the chest. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause yeah. like, he lowers himself to do a little bit that, but then he drives up with his one shoulder. Um, and that's what catches Achari and pops his helmet off. And I'm not here to listen to the people blaming Achari because you can never blame the guy who gets hit because it is the onus is always on the player who's doing the hitting because ultimately they can always adjust things. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and also like Dylan isn't really like bending his knees at all. Like he doesn't jump, but he's also not low. Um, and again, it's easy to look at these hits in super duper slow-mo and say, oh, we should have done this or he should have done that. But this game, like in real time, the hit is the optics are even worse. There's the angle from kind of the corner where the hit happened. Um, and in real time, like a charge just gets absolutely nailed right to the head and his helmet goes off screen. Like it's, it's a lot of people in my mentions you know, talking like the things I said, and they're valid points. Uh, elbow tucked, no jump. Um, Achari's leaning forward. Those are things you do have to take into account, and that's why I think it's one to two games. But my response is basically you also have to take the results into account. Like the guy got like probably pretty significant brain damage because of this hit, and uh, you can't just like shrug that off, and be like, oh, he was leaning forward, so it doesn't matter. Like, yes, it does. The NHL is going to put their foot down on... They're trying to remove head contact. Hits to the head. Yes, hits to the head, brain damage in general. Um, this is not This is not like a, a oh, it should have been a two-minute penalty for for hitting, like, let's whatever. Be, let's be real here. Like, I don't... I honestly don't even know if any part of Dylan touched another part of Achari's body aside from no. his face with his shoulder. And yep. I don't care whether Achari was leaning, whether he was on the ice, whether you're going to get suspended when the sole point of contact is the face of the opponent with your shoulder. That's, it doesn't matter how the, uh, the way it happened, but you're going to get suspended. If quite literally nothing else on your body 
touches. Like yeah. if there's like I think some shoulder contact, some chest contact, maybe he gets away with, with um, you know, with just a penalty on that. But no, like literally nothing of Dylan hit Achari other than his shoulder to the face, and I think yeah. that's pretty clear, cut and dry. What's going to happen there? Yeah, and uh, and I think that's that's all we really wanted to say on the hit. Yeah, um, that the 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 suspension should be coming today. Let me just double check here that that phone hearing. Yeah, it's today. So I'm assuming that suspension will either hear about it tonight, which is Wednesday. So you will know how long he's suspended for, or you'll hear about it Thursday morning. Regardless, um, something will have to happen there with the Jets defense corps. Um, assuming he is suspended again, he could be, they could say uh, fine and you're good, but I doubt that'll happen. We will yeah. see. But um if he gets, let's say, one to two games, or you said two to three, I said one to two. So let's say the next two games, um, just for a middle ground there. The Jets have Logan Stanley currently on the roster as an extra defenseman. Vili Hanala has played 10 games over the last three weeks since he's been healthy with the Manitoba Moose. But to call him up, they would have to waive another player. Uh, Dominic Toninato, presumably, would be that player that would get waived. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of what the jets will do and what they should do um say if it is two games do they just roll with stanley do they call up hanala wave toninato um they play philly and pittsburgh in that time so in this hypothetical what do you think the jets do and what do you think they should do i i think just because of it's going to be just two games i think they're going to put stanley in they're going to move sandberg up with pionk they're going to run mm -hmm. Stanley Schmidt, which is almost unplayable. Um, and they're essentially going to be running four defensemen against Philly and Pittsburgh for the next two games. That is a far cry from what I think they should do, which mm -hmm. I think there's a legitimate conversation for because of especially what uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff said about uh, Villy, where I think that they should wave a forward, bring up Hanela, and immediately insert him into the lineup because uh, you're hearing praises from Mark Morrison. You're hearing praises from the GM of the team saying that like, like almost unprompted saying that like, we are looking forward to having him back in the lineup. I'm like, he hasn't been in the lineup. He won the spot out of camp, but the fact that Chevy's saying this about him, like, are we getting up to a point where, I mean, there was a legitimate, you could tell there was a clashing of ideals with uh mm -hmm. Dayoff and Maurice before, because this is now the third straight year where uh, Chevy has name dropped Billy Hanela in a press conference saying that he wants him in the lineup. And up until this point, it hasn't happened. Right. I think there's never been a better chance this season to finally put him back into the lineup. Um, and let's, let's be real. Like, isn't that this is where he started his career was on that side of the ice. He's been playing his offside now for several years. Yeah. He started though on the left side. That was his yeah. whole thing. And then it was like, oh, there was a bit of a log jam there. So they moved him to the right. Now there's a log jam on the right. And I think that you have a chance now to, uh, at the very least, just toss him in on the uh, the third pairing there. Um, or even like just, just kind of put him in and make sure that, you know, he gets some NHL games again, because at some point or another, you can only, you know, reestablish yourself to a certain point in the AHL. He's not getting any better staying down there anymore. It's it's time yeah. to put him in the lineup, and there's I think now this is their chance to see it, and I don't think Logan Stanley getting into the lineup is going to do anything aside from hurt you. I I agree, and I 
I'll start with what they what I think they should do because I'm picking back piggybacking off of a lot of your points. Hanalas should come up. They shouldn't be scared to waive Toninato. This is a player who has cleared waivers dozens of times in his career. Yep. Um, he'll clear again without a without a doubt. Even and, if he doesn't, uh, who cares? Yeah, and again, uh, the it's recency bias. Like, he, okay, he had a good what nine game, ten game stretch with the Jets on the fourth line. And the third, he stepped in on the third line, and the Jets saw what that looked like, and then went and acquired a center. Like this, this I it's it's kind of that's kind of a, a different conversation. But the Villy Hanalis stuff, I think they they should call him up. They should put him in the lineup. They should wave Dominic Toninato. And the biggest reason I think that is because they have kind of struggled with their breakouts recently. I, I, the it goes back to the Boston game, and I know Garrett Hole. Um, uh, our good buddy on Twitter. I know he tracks this stuff, so I don't know if it's just my eyes lying to me. Um, maybe I'll have to to ask him if if their exits have really been uh, kind of in the gutter ever since that that three game road trip. But that Boston game, they just couldn't move the puck. Um, kind of carried over into the Toronto games. Obviously, without Josh Morrissey in that one game, you're you're going to lose a lot on exits. But I thought last night as well. The Jets are at the best when they're they're moving the puck out cleanly and they're entering the zone cleanly. And uh, that's what makes them a five on five dominant team, along with the ability to cycle the puck down low, etc. And uh, I think Hanel is the perfect player for that. Again, he won this job out of training camp. Like at some point, he's got to get a shot because he won that job. Ten games is enough in the AHL, I think, to to knock kind of the, the rust off in a sense. Um, I, I never agreed with the send him down for a game, call him back up thing because like he had major ankle, like in, a major injury to his foot that uh, that will take a long time to get back from. But 10 games, I think, is is good. Bring him back up, give him the opportunities, even play him on the, the second power play. Um, I, I want to see it all. Now, what I think they will do is I think they will call up Ville Hanala, wave Dominic Toninato, and play him in the lineup exactly as I just said because, and this is my reasoning from a Jets perspective, we don't think they're done adding. I don't think they think they're done adding either. Whether that be Chris Tanev, whether that be Sean Walker, whether that be a, a defenseman in general. From the Jets perspective, before you add, you need to see what you have in Villahanala. You need like he won the job at a training camp. Is he an upgrade on on Nate Schmidt? Is he an upgrade on Neil Pionk? Even maybe like if if Villahanala comes in. And it's an upgrade on Nate Schmidt, and it's an upgrade on on Neil Pionk. Uh, that changes your dynamic of what you are adding going into the playoffs, because it, that's another like fringe top four defenseman, be a, a solid number four, solid number five going into the playoffs. Um, and if you can add Tanev onto that, then you really are confident in your defense score, or not. Like I, I think they got to find out before the trade deadline what they have in Villahanala. And I think they're going to take this opportunity to do so. Um, now, would I be shocked to hear that they are putting Logan Stanley in the lineup and keeping things status quo? No, but I think I think they take the opportunity to to do so and uh, and wave Toninato in the process and see what they have in Hala. And if he wins the job, he wins the job. Give it to him. Let him run. Take uh, Nate Schmidt out, the guy who he beat in training camp, right? Mm -hmm. So I think they take that opportunity. I really do. I don't know. We will see. And we yeah. will also see, because this is a hypothetical, Dylan could only miss one game. 
if Dylan suspended one game, I think they keep Stanley up. I don't think they take the time to call up Philly Hanala for one road game against Philly. Um, but I do think they do if it's two games or longer. So that's my take. I, I don't know if the dynamic changes for you if it's one game as well. I guess you said they you, you thought they were gonna keep Stanley anyways. If it's like yeah. three or four games, I think I think, it, I think the conversation changes, but yes, for sure. I agree. Um all right. Unless you have any final thoughts on just the Winnipeg Jets in general, let's move on to the Winnipeg Blue, Blue Bombers, excuse me, who on Tuesday, February 6th, um, kind of mirrored Shifley and Hellebuck in a way as Brady Oliveira signed a two-year contract to stay with the club. And then just hours later, Dalton Schoen signed a one-year deal as well. All off-season, CFL off-season, we've been talking about how they're going to have to lose one of them. They can't afford both, et cetera, et cetera. Same kind of conversations with Shafley and Hellebuck. Uh, maybe one will have to go. If you had to keep one, who would it be? All those types of talks. And then it doesn't matter because they keep them both. I am super, super stoked um, to to go back to the new Princess Auto Stadium and uh, and watch this this offense because you got Oliveira, you got Shone. We talked about it last episode because it broke mid-episode, but Chris Strevler is now back on the team. You still got Zach Claros, Kenny Lawler, Nick Dembski. There's some questions on the O-line, but who cares? Um, let's. <laughs> I I, I want to get your thoughts on, on Oliver and Schoen coming back because what a day it was for Bombers fans yesterday. That was came out of nowhere, and it was awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like you said it perfectly where you don't really care about a lot of the, you know, questions and makeup of the the rest of the the team right now because just the absolute just vibes around these two signings and then adding you know strevler back it's the the culture around this team remains it seems to be like we're gonna we're gonna come back we're gonna run it back but they're also like they have questions but i mean they're they're gonna be probably be able to outscore their problems um but yeah who knows like but no i i I love the fact that everyone was you know preparing to lose at least one of them and they lost neither (laughs) yeah that that's just that's just awesome and oliver and shown two of the best offensive players in the league olivera he's having his presser actually right now as we're recording but i did see a quote that he said he took less or he could have taken more elsewhere um again just speaks to the kind of person he is. I mean, this guy rescues dogs in his spare time. Like what an absolute a plus human being. Um, and he wants to stay home. He signed a two year deal, took less, like just an a plus a plus human being. And and Winnipeg absolutely loves him as they should. Um, and then Dalton shown, I believe Darren Cameron, who uh, is uh, part of the bombers PR team tweeted out yesterday that he was going to let shown talk about it. His presser is coming up in a bit, but shown, also, it sounded like he kind of took less. Darren Cameron worded it by saying, like, this is a guy who wanted to be here. Um, and you'd think that Dalton Schoen, who was, what, the rookie of the year the other year, and then this year followed it up and was one of the best receivers in the NFL, he could have easily got max money from the Red Blacks or the Elks or the Stamps or whoever wanted to pay him. Um, but no, he took less, stayed in Winnipeg, and like you said, I'm just ready to watch this team outscore their problems next season. Like, I don't think they're going to be bad defensively, but there's going to be some repercussions for bringing these two back. But like I said, I could care less. Like if they, if they, 
win every game 45 to 42. Sure, I'll have some extra like heart palpitations, but that's that's about it. That's that's pretty fun. Pretty fun football to watch. And uh this offense is gonna be I joked to you guys yesterday. I was saying like they may not pass the ball at all when they signed Oliveira yeah. because they had Strevler and Oliveira, and now they signed Schoen, so they're definitely gonna be passing the ball. It's it's this offense is gonna be a joy to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right, that's that's our little impromptu bomber report. All it took was their two most prominent players resigning. But anyways, let's get to there was a report today, Frank Saravalli, basically saying that the Arizona Coyotes and their management group have three options in terms of kind of keeping the team in Arizona. Well, I guess one of those options is relocate the team. Um, but there's been talks, you know, Utah, Atlanta just got a uh, approved for a new arena. Um, the Arizona Coyotes might be on the way out. What are your thoughts on just like expansion in general or like the relocation of the Coyotes? I, I definitely have expansion takes but I'll let you take the lead on this one. Um, do you think the Coyotes are kind of hitting their their point where Gary Bettman is done batting for them in a sense that, that they're kind of on a ticking time bomb and they got to make a move here, either get a new arena or get out? No, I think so. And I don't think it helped uh, anything when the uh, president of the uh, NHLPA spent like 20 minutes ripping into the organization. Uh, so it's hard yeah. for the the commissioner to follow that up by, you know, batting for them. So I do think they've reached a point here where there's nothing else really the league can do to help them because they've been handed all of these incredible opportunities that they keep stumbling over. Um, and I truly think that the best thing for the league would be to move them somewhere else, whether that's in uh, Utah, which seems like the most likely thing. And I, I honestly think that would be totally fine because you don't even have to adjust uh, the conferences. Yeah. Just yeah. I think that would over. work. Totally. Yeah. I think Utah would work. I also think this, these are my thoughts. I, I think Utah would work. I think Atlanta again with a new arena would work in the right like kind of situation. My my kind of issue with all this talk of like, oh, Utah wants a team. Um, Atlanta wants a team. Houston wants a team. We, like 32 teams is enough. Like we it's do fine. not need, yeah, like there are already, I'd argue like two, quote unquote, too many teams in this league uh, that it's it's honestly ridiculous. And if they went to 34, which it feels like they're trying to do, it feels like they're trying to get to 34, and uh, and kind of even out the divisions in a sense, just just kind of I, I don't know, man. Like I just think there's way too many teams. And yes, would I be excited to watch the Utah whoever and Atlanta Thrashers come back and Houston and we have all these teams coming in? Sure, but there reaches a point where, like, look at the Chicago Blackhawks roster. Like, without Connor Bedard, they were literally an AHL squad. There's enough teams in this league. Uh, and it's 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 hard to watch sometimes when teams like the Sharks and the Blackhawks are playing, and uh, and there's no like clear cup favorite at this point. So maybe the Oilers, but I just think it's perfect as is. Thirty two teams is great, and I don't think adding more teams. Yes, they get that little expansion boost of money where it's like a billion dollars or whatever for another team, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's worth it in the end no like sure the yeah the nhl makes more money that's all they care about but relocation is the way to go right now i agree and arizona 
I I'm all for moving them to to a Utah, um, a, a market I think would work for hockey. And uh, though they have an ownership group that's all in, they have an yeah. NHL ready arena. Um, yep. And you're also looking at a situation where the Coyotes have eaten up their uh, allowable time, where they were given kind of like a, a certain allowance of time once mm-hmm. they moved into uh, Mullet Arena, where they are the secondary tenant at this point. Um, that they had to find a viable option for an NHL rink and they have yet to do that. And we are, you know, halfway through the second season in that little college arena and the ownership group doesn't seem particularly uh, enthusiastic about uh, doing anything to help it. Um, The, you know, the, the city councils that they're, because they've now they've lobbied in like two or three different areas of Arizona to keeps getting turned down. Nothing financially seems to be approved. Um, no. So you're looking at a point where it's like, at this point, you can't ask anyone else to, you know, for a plot of land to build an arena on. If you honestly aren't willing to pot, like, you know, stomach most of the cost, because the second you start asking the taxpayers for the money for it, it's not going to work because they just keep, jumping around be like hey uh phoenix can we build it here no hey tempe can we build it here no hey scottsdale <laughs> that's like <laughs> no you can't keep asking no. different uh you know counties for money when you aren't you know making the effort yourself yeah yeah the arizona thing i feel like we could go on for hours but you hit most of the main points there i, I totally agree they like i feel also just my last thought on this is the whole 5,000 seat arena thing. When they first announced it, everyone was like, Oh, that'd be cool. Like it's going to be like this college atmosphere. And like, like it, it, it'll work for the time being until they get a new arena. Well, a new arena is not on the horizon. And I feel like that whole 5,000 seat college atmosphere thing is kind of running out a little bit. It's like worn it's out. Still, it's welcome. I think it's worn out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, that's all we've got for today's episode. Thank you for checking it out. Um, the Jets are back at it when you're hearing this tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, and then they return home for a practice Friday and then a game Saturday night against the same Pittsburgh Penguins who they just lost to. Um, we'll be back next week. I know the Jets play on Wednesday against the San Jose Sharks and Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. Kind of a lighter week. Um, but we might have some more content coming for you. Keep an eye out on our socials. For that, at Level Flight WPG, we're going to be announcing something in the coming days, maybe early next week, since the Jets don't play from Saturday to Wednesday. Um, so keep an eye out at uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, the main spots where we'll be posting that kind of stuff, at Level Flight WPG on all three. Thank you, lastly, again, for Brian and I for listening to episode 65. We will see you next week. Have a great week, everyone. See ya. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.